Welcome to ServiceNow Tech Bytes, where we give you an inside look at our products. Today we're going to talk about plugins with service analyst Brenda Henry. We'll be talking about ways to make the plugin activation process faster and more trouble free. Stay tuned. Joining us today is Brenda Henry. Welcome to the podcast. Hi. Brenda's part of the team that activates plugins for our customers. Today, she's going to share some pointers on how to streamline the activation process. But before we get started, maybe you could tell us a little bit about what your role is here in the company. Well, I've been with ServiceNow for, since 2011. I basically am in the support operations department, and my main uh, focus for the last probably four years or so has been plugins in some capacity or another, such as approving them as well as before I used to do all the activations. They kind of call me the plugin queen here at ServiceNow. And how about uh, when you're not here at work? What do you like to do? Well, when I'm not here at work, I play piano. I like to read. And my husband and I play golf, try to go every weekend and play a, a little round of golf. Not very good, but I enjoy doing it. It's kind of nice to get outside and walk around and do something that's kind of fun. That sounds nice. Okay, to start us off, could you tell us just a little bit about what plugins are? Plugins are basically a way to add functionality to the system for ServiceNow. So the platform has built-in applications. If you want to add anything different to it, it may require a plugin. There are different kinds of plugins, uh, which we can talk about, but that's basically what a plugin is. And how do our customers acquire these plugins? Are they available by subscription? There are some subscription plugins, and there are some that are free. Uh, the plugins that are subscription-based, they, of course, would have to purchase it to put it in production, but they can put it in their subprods to evaluate the plugin and application and see how it does. Okay. Where would a user see a list of available plugins? list of available plugins on their instance would be in the System Definitions Plugins section module of the instance. So if they go there, they can see a list of all the plugins that can be activated by an admin user. Okay, and how about the ones that are currently active on the system? How would they see that? Ones that are currently active on the system, they could type sys underscore plugins dot list in the navigation pane. Then that would pull up a list of all of the plugins that are active, whether they would have activated them as an admin or whether they had to be requested to ServiceNow to be activated. Could you tell us what's the difference between a plugin and an app? An app would be something that the customer gets through the ServiceNow store. And they can put it in their instance and install it there so that they can use it within the ServiceNow platform. Plugins are an application in ServiceNow, or they activate an application in ServiceNow, which would be done through the plugin activation request. If they purchased an app or they got an app to try out from the store, then they need to follow the instructions for the application in the store. Okay, can you tell us a little bit about how users go about activating plugins? Well, first of all, there's probably about 1,400 plugins available in the instance, any given instance. About 500 or so of those are plugins that customers can go in and see on the instance to do their own activating. The rest of them are either activated by default, which some may or may not be listed in that list, and the uh, remaining ones would be ones that they have to request through the plugin activation request form on high. So how would a user go about activating a plugin that they can activate themselves? 
Well, they would go to the system definition plugins in the navigation pane on their instance. They would open that up and the list would be displayed. They would then be able to search for the plugin that they're actually looking for by using the search field at the top of that list. And once they get to the plugin that they're looking for, they can either click on the name of the plugin and then activate the plugin by clicking on the link within that record that says activate upgrade. If they want, they can also just right click the name in the list and click the activate upgrade and it'll go right to the activation window. So how about if a plugin is, isn't listed in that plugins list, then what do they do? Then they have to go to the service catalog on high and the activate plugin and submit a request for the plugin to be activated by ServiceNow. And basically the plugin requests come in through ServiceNow as a change request. So therefore it's best not to, you know, submit an incident ticket asking for a plugin to be activated because they're tracked through changes and those changes are created from the plugin activation form. And there's one thing that you need to remember when you're going to activate a plugin that the admin can activate and that is, if the instance is domain separated, the plugins won't display the activate upgrade selection in any way, shape, or form. The user has to be in the global domain in order to be able to access any plugins. We often give our users best practices for using the various features of our product. So let's see if we can talk about some best practices for plugins. Can you give us any tips for how to request activation from ServiceNow? Well, one thing I would mention, if you would check the sys underscore plugins dot list before you put in your request for a plugin, that would make it a lot quicker to get things. Maybe the plugin's already activated. You'd be surprised how many plugin requests I have to process that the plugin is already active in the instance and the customer could have saved some time by checking it through the sys underscore plugins dot list before they put in the plugin request. The activate plugin form, can you tell us a little bit about how that works? It lets you request a single plugin to be activated on a single instance. The form requires one selection of an instance. Unfortunately, it has a freeform field for the plugin name. However, it is expected to just have one plugin in that field so that one plugin is activated. That's how the activation team does them. They, they do it off of one plugin per request. So the user needs to be careful to get the, the name of the plugin correct in that field. That's correct. They need to either, if they're requesting a plugin that they can't activate because they can't see it in the uh, list on their instance, then they should probably check the documentation site for what the exact plugin is or, you know, talk to somebody that, you know, they could even check with support just in case they don't know what the plugin is. And that way they'll have a little bit more of an idea of what the plugin um, is that, that they're looking for. What if the user wants to request more than one plugin? What do they do? They will have to request it on separate instances separate of, 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 yeah, they will have to request the, the um, plugin in separate requests. So they have to go in there, submit that plugin request, and then go to, you know, put it, go back in there and do it again. And is that, and that would be true for uh, multiple instances as well, right? Especially true for that, since you can only select one instance in a request. And I do get some customers that come back on the ticket and say, oh, I don't want it in this instance. I want it in my such and such instance. And basically, we have to cancel the request and then they have to resubmit it for that other instance. Another field on that form is the date and time. Tell us a little about that. Okay, well, the date and time ends up being the plan start date for the plugin to be activated. Now, the 
plan start date doesn't really matter too much for most of the plugins. There may be a few plugins that might require some special things so that if you want it to be done in production, uh, it might be better to schedule it for after hours or when there's less people on the instance using it. As far as that date and time, it requires two business days or 48 hours, and that's mainly so that we can process it due to the fact that everything is manual for the plugins at this point in time. And that includes the review of them, the approval of them, as well as the activation of them. So the 48 hours gives a chance for some human being to get in there and review it and get it all processed properly. What if I want to change an activation request after I submitted it? Well, unfortunately, the uh, ticket doesn't allow customers to make any modifications. All they can do is update the comments field and they can tell us, you know, hey, I, I scheduled this for the time that I scheduled it because I had to pick 48 hours out. I would really like to have it tomorrow at one o'clock in the afternoon instead. Is it possible to do that? Once it's reviewed by somebody, it can be the date can be changed and the plugin can be activated. We usually can accommodate that. Okay, so basically the comments in comments that request, field. that's the yes. way to make to request changes. Yes, and that includes comments about whether, you know, hey, I, I asked for the wrong plugin. Can you make it this plugin? We can change the plugin. The instance we can't change, but we can change the plugin and we can change the plan start date. And also, if a customer wants to have the plugin activated at the time they scheduled because they're scheduling it for a production instance and they want it in their off hours, they can put in there, hey, I would like to have this activated at the time I've scheduled, not before, not after. And then we can make those notations on the ticket so that the activation team knows that they need to activate it at that specific right at time. That time. Okay. What if I want to cancel a plug-in activation request? What do I do? Well, the best thing that I would recommend is calling customer support and telling them the, the request that's there and that you need to get the request canceled. Uh, you're not ready to put the plugin in, or maybe it's the wrong plugin and you have to think about what you want to put in there, or maybe you chose the wrong instance. Since there's no self-service on those tickets for the customer to cancel, you would need to either update the ticket, and the best thing is to update the ticket as well as call customer support. If that doesn't happen, it's possible somebody might not see it, and the best way to cancel it is to get a hold of customer support. Another thing we often talk about here is integrations. Now, plugins are kind of integrated by their very nature. I wonder if you can tell us a little bit about how plugins are associated with other plugins. Well, there's quite a few plugins that have what's called plugin dependency status. And basically what that means is the main plugin that you're activating will activate a series of other plugins. It may be one, it could be 10 different plugins. An example of that would be the orchestration plugin. That plugin activates about nine or 10 different activity packs, and they don't have to be activated separately. As a matter of fact, it's best not to activate them separately. Although if you do activate them separately, they will activate the orchestration plugin which in turn will activate all the other activity packs. So you can't have a single activity pack for orchestration. Another example of that is the Project Portfolio Suite plugins, demand management, program management, project management. Those plugins are activated with a suite of plugins that's called Project Portfolio Suite. If you want that plugin activated, you're going to get 10 other plugins activated as well. And those plugins after Geneva are not able to be activated as standalone anyway. They have to be activated through the main plugins. Okay, so that's that streamlines the plugin activation process then, right? You just have to submit the activation request for that one main plugin and all the rest are done automatically. Exactly. 
Now, next, maybe you can tell us a little about demo data for plugins. Demo data is kind of interesting. There are some plugins that say demo data in the plugin, and there's some that are published that the customer can actually activate as an admin. There may be some that they would have to request. But one of the things with demo data is on each plugin that has that available, it will be a checkbox when they're activating the plugin. So if it's an admin plugin, they're able to do the activation. They can check this box that says load demo data, and then they'll have demo data added to the activation of the plugin. Keep in mind, it does take a little bit longer for the plugin to activate if you're adding demo data. Plugin that might have taken, you know, two minutes or less to activate might take five or 10 minutes, depending on how much demo data there is. Okay. Well, why would users want to use demo data? Well, they would probably want to have demo data just so they could have an idea of how to use that application. So if there's no data in there and they don't know how to create their own yet because they're trying to evaluate it, it's a good way to get information in there or data in there so that they can test it a little bit further. Okay, so the demo data might be something that you'd use on a non-production instance to evaluate the plugin. And then when you activate the plugin on a production instance, you wouldn't need it? Yes, and I would I would recommend that it only be activated in the subprods because there is a little bit tricky of a situation to remove the demo data from a production instance. Instance, you, know, you may not want to have all these little fictitious people, users that are that are showing up in there in production. What about the case when ServiceNow is doing the activation? How does the customer get demo data? Well, unfortunately, the activation team doesn't do demo data loading. They just do the activation. So the demo data can't be loaded at the same time. After the plugin is activated and the notification is received that the plugin's been activated and the, the change has been closed, is complete, then the customer can contact customer support and ask them to load the demo data. Okay, well, let me ask you then, do you have any tips or tricks for our listeners, uh, little inside secrets about plugins? Well, one thing may not be a secret. Make sure that you want the plugin before you have it activated, especially in production, because unfortunately, plugins, once activated, are not able to be deactivated in general. And if an instance is a subproduction instance and you activate a plugin that you, you know, don't want, you decided you didn't like it, a clone from your production instance, if it doesn't have that plugin, will will remove the plugin from the subprod. Okay, so in general, you can deactivate a plugin from a subprod instance by cloning from the production. But if you activate a plugin on a production instance, it's going to stay active. Yes. There may be ways that other people know how to do that because I'm not as technical there. <laughs> but generally, you, you can't deactivate a plugin. It's pretty much there for life. And what if a user is having trouble with the plugin somehow? Is there anything they can do there? Well, if they're trying to activate a plugin they can see on the instance and they're, and they're not able to activate it for whatever reason... Uh, just for instance, right now we have an error that occurs right now for subscriptions in their subprods that's preventing customers from activating published plugins. When that happens, all they need to do is submit a plugin request, and then ServiceNow will take care of activating the plugin for them. Just because it says you can't have this plugin if you don't have a subscription is not necessarily true in the subprod. Okay. Um, what about after it's activated and the user feels like there's a problem going on? Do they have to contact customer support or is there something they can do first? Well, the thing that they can do first is if it is a plugin, they were able to do it. They need to go ahead and reactivate it. And basically when they do an activation of the plugin again, it's going to show that the plugin's already active. So when they get into the activation window, there's going to be a cancel button and there's also going to be instead of an activate button, it's going to be an upgrade button. 
and then they'll be able to do an upgrade to that plugin. And sometimes that fixes the problem if they do that first, and then they don't have to reach out to support to do anything else. Uh, if it's a plugin that we have to activate, they can always request that, and it would be very important to include that in their comments. Hey, this plugin was already active. We know it's already active, but we're having issues, and maybe support has told them they need to reactivate it. Then they put in the request, and then we can reactivate it, which is basically an upgrade. Well, thanks very much for the scoop on plugins. Would you be able to direct our users to other sources of information on, on plugins? Well, there's a blog post on the SN community that they can go to, and it's got some really good information. Most of the stuff that I've been talking about is in there. The sys underscore plugins dot list command, you know, different tips and tricks about getting plugins activated. It's quite a clever blog, too. I can't remember the title of it, but it's something to do about plugging something in, and <laughs> it sounds pretty cool. Okay, and then there's also information on the documentation site as well? Yes, there's information on the documentation site. You should be able to get a lot of the questions answered there. If not, then, you know, you can always ask customer support. Okay. Well, thank you very much for joining us. It's been really great having you here. Thank you for having me. Please tell us what you think of this podcast. You can leave feedback or ask questions in the ServiceNow community. For more information on any ServiceNow topic, take a look at our product documentation, knowledge base, or Now Support YouTube channel. Thanks for listening.